Hello and welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. This is where we talk about money, investing and all things personal finance. I'm your host, Peter Komalafe, and it's my mission to help you make the best financial decisions because money is a tool, life is for living. But first, a couple of words for me. If you don't know already, I have a new monthly magazine, which is now out. You can go and join that magazine subscription list. It is free at theconvo.io. That's theconvo.io. Also, if you're completely unaware, I also have a Discord group, which I would love for you to join. It's going to be a small community where I can take questions from you, where we can build a deeper relationship. There will be a link to that in the show notes. All right, good morning. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're well. Hope you had an amazing weekend. Uh, Over the last week, we've seen that the Bank of England base rate has gone up again to 1.25%. So I wanted to spend uh, this episode just talking through uh, some things that I think may be useful for you to know um, to help you make better financial decisions. And I'm also going to lay out my opinion and argument around why I think this isn't going to necessarily work in terms of combating inflation. Uh, all of the rates increases that we've seen thus far have done nothing. And there is a very specific reason for that. Um, and when I look at it, it's a it's a very, very sticky position to be in. We spoke a little bit about stagflation on a previous episode, maybe three episodes ago. Ties in a little bit to that. But hopefully, again, this is going to be useful for you. So what do we know? The Bank of England base rate has gone up to 1.25%. This is the highest it's been for or probably 13 years, I want to say now. Um, And that has consequences. It has positives, it has negatives. Let's start with the negatives first. Well, the negative is one that you are probably fully aware of and will be expecting of me to mention, uh, interest rates on mortgages. If you are not fixed, if you're in a tracker mortgage or a standard variable mortgage, this essentially means that you are going to see your mortgage payments increase yet again. Um, And we've seen five of these interest rates in the past six months. So this tells you that from a monetary policy point of view, the inflation number is a really big, big concern. And I've said this on the podcast a number of times that if you are in a tracker mortgage or on a standard variable rate, you should really consider fixing your mortgage right now. I know that some people have kind of held off because they wanted to see what was going to happen Um, But in this kind of situation, indecision can cost you a bit of money and it has cost a lot of people. I was reading something last week. They were saying since the beginning of all of these interest rate rises in the beginning of this year, some mortgage rates have already doubled. So for people who have got mortgages on, you know, trackers, standard available rates, this isn't really good news. The flip side to this, which will be the positive, um, can I really call it a positive? It is a positive, but it's, it's going to get... Um, pretty much made redundant because of the reality of the situation that we find ourselves in and the positive is that if you are in a save if if you are a saver you have a savings account well this means that you're finally going to get better rates on savings accounts unfortunately what that also means is that you have to keep a close eye on the inflation number and how you balance the inflation equation so remember you know inflation is the increase of the cost of goods and services around us and essentially in order for your money to keep up with inflation you need to be matching inflation now we're heading towards 11 12 percent currently in terms of inflation 
And I think interest rates at this point in time, having a look at them, you can get really good interest rates between 1.33 and I think around about two, just over 2% at this point in time. Unfortunately, that is not going to get you far enough or get you enough when we start talking about inflation being at 10%. So whilst it is a positive finally for savers, unfortunately, the inflation number kind of wipes out any benefit that you are going to get because you're still losing purchasing power when it comes to your pounds and pence. And this leads us very nicely onto the whole conversation around why I think that the interest rate increases by the Bank of England aren't actually going to work. And we, like I said, we've seen that they haven't worked in the past five to six months. So to really wrap your head around this, I think you need to think about where we're seeing the biggest increase to our to our bills. The biggest increase that we're seeing right now is in fuel prices, gas and electric energy prices. And unfortunately, those increases aren't because of the supply versus demand equation. So remember in, in basic economics, right? If you have a high demand for a certain item or a certain commodity, and you have low supply, then that is going to drive up the price of said item or said commodity. Whereas if you just inverse that and say you've got a high supply but less demand, you're going to drive down the cost. Now the whole idea of the Bank of England increasing interest rates to quail inflation is to bring down the cost of those things that are causing inflation in the first place. Unfortunately, within the energy price and fuel equation, it isn't about simple supply versus demand. The issue here is supply chain. So we've got a huge demand for energy because everyone needs to heat their home and cook food and use their gas and their electric. Everyone needs to put petrol in their car, diesel in their car. What we have is a high demand, but we have really, really severe supply issues. And this is a symptom of the war in Ukraine with Russia and the embargoes the West have put on Russia. Now, Russia is what? The biggest, the second biggest, actually, um, oil producer in the world. So from a supply chain point of view, we're restricted on where else we can go to go and source our need for energy and fuel. And so that supply chain issue is not going to fix itself. It just isn't. Unless the war in Ukraine comes to an end abruptly, all of a sudden, and we lift all of the embargoes and, you know, say to Russia, look, boys, we're really, really sorry. Um, can we get back to, to normal uh, proceedings and just, you know, rekindle that deal that we had, you know, six months ago that we've we've kind of tried to kibosh and punish you with embargoes with those issues are not going to change the supply chain issues are not going to change and that's the reason why i feel as though the interest rate hikes that the bank of england are imposing are not going to do anything for inflation now the picture in the states is very very different so the fed in the states have made a really aggressive move a move increased interest rates over the past week. And if you look at the inflation numbers in the States, they've actually worked. The, the interest rate increases that the Fed have put in have worked a little bit, not made a huge difference, but they have worked. 
because the states aren't under the same pressure when it comes to supply chain issues for energy fuel. It's, that's not the main factor that's driving their inflation, albeit it is one of those factors. So our position here in the UK, and I guess across Europe, is a, is a unique one, where unfortunately, interest rates is not going to help as a lever. Now, clearly, the Bank of England needs to be seen to be doing something. They can't just be sat there twiddling their thumbs thinking, okay, well, what do we do? But this leads us on to a conversation around stagflation, which we spoke about maybe two or three episodes ago. The big problem that we have right now is the fact that we have massive, massive supply chain issues pushing up the price of energy prices and fuel prices. And within that, as a response, the Bank of England are increasing interest rates, which is going to put the squeeze on people with mortgages. Now, if you think about the, the bigger picture, right, and I promise stagflation will come into this in a moment. So personally, I've seen my energy prices increase by £100 a month. And this is just from the increase that we saw in April. This doesn't count in, bring into account everything that's coming in October. So I've already seen it increase by £100 a month. Now, think about that from your own personal circumstances. You've seen your price, your 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 disposable income dwindle, dwindle because of these increase in prices, right? Now, picture that you're in a standard railway mortgage and you've just seen your mortgage payments go up five times as well. What this is doing is it is squeezing people in terms of disposable income. And when you have people who are squeezed with disposable income, what happens is there is less money circulating within the economy to, I guess, get the economy being productive and in positive territory when it comes to economic growth. And that's one of the big uh, factors in the, in the equation when you, speak, when you think about stagflation. So, so stagflation is a combination of high inflation, low economic growth. In order for you to have good economic growth, you need excess income, spare income being spent within the economy to be the catalyst for that economic growth. Now, you can't do that with interest rates increasing, people being squeezed by the cost of living crisis because people are going to be looking after their pennies. And therefore, it becomes a very, very tricky equation to be able to navigate because there is nothing you can do, in my opinion, to combat where we are right now just by using interest rates alone. We need to have some kind of stimulus that is going to promote economic growth for us to get out of the stagflation equation. And unfortunately, the biggest underlying factor for where we are right now in terms of the cost of living crisis is supply chain issues with energy and fuel. Honestly, I have no idea what the likes of Rishi Sunak or Andrew Bailey, I don't even know what they would do. I, I wouldn't know what I would do in that kind of position because it's, it's, it's a very, it, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And so I don't feel as though any of these measures are going to are going to work. And unfortunately, I think that by the time we hit October, we are going to see a massive spike in our inflation number as a country. Remember, we we're already at 10%. Come October, the danger is we're going to be at 11, 12% inflation figures. And that is really going to put the squeeze on a lot of people. There are a lot of um, commentators in the sector also talking about the fact that, you know, are, well, at least asking the question of has Brexit and those factors actually being fully felt by us at this point in time. We still don't know this 
for sure. Brexit has become this noise in the background whilst all this other stuff has come to the forefront and dominated our thoughts and dominated our minds with what's going on at this point in time. So it's really, really interesting. And yeah, it's just really unfortunate. And I guess for me, if you are um, in a position where you're trying to tighten the belt when it comes to your finances right now. It's funny because I'm doing a couple of podcasts for a couple of brands and this is a really, really hot topic. And some of the questions that I'm seeing coming through for one that I'm actually going to be recording today, Monday, as you listen to this, is, you know, people are getting to the point where now they're having to think about, you know, making really difficult choices, right? Do I go to work? I can't afford to go to work. Do I buy food or do I just save some money for my electric and my gas? You know, other people are, are thinking about how can I reduce my cost? Do I stop payments into, into my pension? Do I cancel my life insurance policy? I know that's two different levels of, you know, uh, cutting. I mean, when you get to the point of, you know, can I buy food, then that's that's horrible. I think if you've still got the ability to cut, you know, uh, life insurance policies, some people will say that's a luxury. Now, should you do that? Ideally, no. But let's be honest, this is the reality of where we are right now. I think there are some things that you need to be mindful of that if you are cancelling things like life insurance policies just to free up that, you know, 30, 40, 50 pounds, 10 pounds a month extra is that, you know, when you do get round to taking out that policy again, if you're older, it is likely going to cost you a little bit more, unfortunately. Should you stop, you know, contributions into your pension? Well, ideally not, but I completely understand where people will say, actually, I need a little bit of extra cash in my pocket right now to see me through this cost of living crisis. The sad thing is that this is not the end of it. I said this on Lorraine. I've said this in a number of publications as well over the past couple of weeks. You know, the energy um, incentives and measures that Rishi Sunak reported a couple of weeks ago, which is the £15 billion package, £400 for every household, to help with gas and electric. That's not obviously by way of cash that's going to hit your account. It's a credit to your to your energy account. Those things are going to help. But unless the war in Ukraine stops tomorrow and we backtrack on everything that we have done thus far, come March next year, we're still going to be faced with the same issue. What the politicians have to do, what the Bank of England have to do, I honestly don't know. And I think to a certain extent, those measures are completely outside of our control. I think we are probably going to need more measures, more interventions from the government. I mean, if you just think about how much of the the, the prices that you're paying at the fuel pump for petrol and diesel actually goes to the government, there are cuts that could be made there. But what that means is that the government's not making as much money as they try to implement, I guess, packages to help people. Where is that money going to come from? Those are all equations that they have to balance on their end. But I think that we are definitely going to need some kind of intervention in the next three to six months before we see the end of this at all. Um, and this could be a very, very long, painful road. I mean, if you just look at the equity markets right now, I mean, the equity markets are almost I'm in the toilet and this it could get worse. It could get worse. If you think about crypto specifically, I mean, Bitcoin breaking 20,000, a coin right now. Um, there is speculation. I'm reading a lot of information saying that if the markets globally were to tank further because of all of these re recessionary pressures, 
with inflation as a concoction within that equation, then you will see crypto, Bitcoin tank even further. And a lot of people in the crypto space are saying, look at the equity markets. And, you know, for the longest time, people talked about Bitcoin being this hedge for inflation, right? That theory has not, um, has not been proved to be right. It hasn't. And I think fundamentally, you cannot underestimate the innate need for human beings to feel secure from a financial point of view. The markets are, are fueled and are dictated by sentiment. And the sentiment right now is that we're being squeezed. My money isn't going as far as it should. And therefore, I need to make sure that I can make every pound count, every penny count. And that is something that is seen, I guess, from a global point of view right now. I mean, there are countries within Europe who are much, much more dependent on Russian fuel. I mean, Russia uh, stopped uh, fuels or energy supplies to Finland because they wouldn't pay in rubles. And let's not get, even get into that conversation because that then leads us to the petrol dollar, which I might do an episode on a bit later on. And that's a massive, massive threat to the dollar and actually how everything's built at this point in time. But again, another conversation elsewhere. Our dependence on Russian oil is what, 5% or something like that, according to, to sources. But we are where we are right now. And I guess, you know, guys, if you are listening to this, I don't, I don't necessarily have all the answers. I really, really don't. Um, and it's frustrating because I look at this and I, I look at the news and I know that people are already cutting. People are already trying to save money here and there. People are already trying to develop additional streams of income. The, the issue with additional streams of income is it takes a little bit of time. Now, it, should you start sooner rather than later? 100%, but it's not going to be an overnight win. And unfortunately, people need help right now. Um, if you're looking at the markets, please just be careful with the markets. There's a lot of conversations now about buying the dip. I think, you know, unless you kind of know what you're doing, be careful buying the dip. Yes, you can pound cost average into the markets, but I still think that the markets have a bit of a way to go before they hit bottom. There's a lot of stuff going on right now. So I think you need to be mindful and you need to be um, analytical in your approach. If you can afford to just, you know, pound cost average, dollar cost average into the markets, and it's not going to impact you significantly from a cost of living point of view, you're not... Um, invest in money that you might need to call on in the next three to six months or even in the next year, two or three, then 100% continue to do so. But if things are tight, I encourage you to revaluate and sit back down with your budget, with where your money's going, and really be sure on what you're putting into the markets. Because I do think the markets do have some way to go down still. And with that, crypto is going to go down. Everything is going to go down. We are in for a period, I guess, of pain. And um, look, this happens all the time. I had a chief investment officer uh, at Wealthify on a live with me last Sunday, not this Sunday, just gone the Sunday before that. That's live on YouTube. If you've not listened to that or watched that discussion, perhaps you should. And we started off by talking about the fact that recessions are, they are cyclical. The, the markets are cyclical. If anything, many people argue that a recession is needed. A lot of a lot has been said about um, asset prices being way overvalued. Now we're coming back to, I guess, reasonable valuations for a lot of the companies. Now, personally, I am down big in some of my holdings. I am down big on Etoro. I'm probably down 
five or six thousand pounds with my holdings there right now. So you can look at these things and you can either look at it in two ways. Look, it is what it is right now. Hold it and just ride the cycle because the markets will come back. The question is, how long is it going to take? The second that you can do, and I never really encourage this, is cut your losses. If you haven't got the stomach for it, get out. And that may mean that you need to cash in cash in a loss. It's not ideal, but you need to think about what is going to help you sleep best at night. I've said this so many times on the podcast. These are very, very uncertain, uncomfortable times for investors across all asset classes, particularly if you are in risky assets. Really, really, really risk. You know, it's it's not a nice place to be, but this is cyclical. And hopefully if you've been listening to this podcast for the last two years, you would have known and been prepared for this kind of stuff eventually happening. Unfortunately, social media has told people over the last two years that the markets can only go up. This will be a, re- a reality check for a lot of people. The point is we cannot control any of this. What we can control is the risk that we take and our mindset, our attitudes towards things when they do happen like this. For me, I am holding. For me, I've turned off all of my notifications. I know the markets are down. I don't need reminders to say this stock is down, that stock is down. Don't need it. So maybe that is something that you should consider or can consider to help you. Mindset right now is very, very important. The video on Tuesday, tomorrow on YouTube is all about balance. It is one of the most important things that you need to find right now, particularly if you are struggling with the outcome of the of the markets as they currently are, crypto as they currently are, and even with the cost of living crisis, balance is absolutely key. And I'm not just talking about a balanced budget, I'm talking about balance within you, within your mindset, within your psyche, it's about balance. You need to find something to send to yourself and try to look at something else that is going to give you a bit of distraction, I guess, from all of the bad news. And don't pay attention to the news. You know, the news is designed to sell bad news, not good news. And the media certainly has its own role to play within this. But don't succumb to the fear. Don't succumb to some of the negative press that you're going to be hearing so much of. And be selective around the content that you're listening to right now. Um, If it's not going to do you any good and you know it's not going to do you any good, don't consume the content. The content balance is absolutely key. Anyway, that's what I want to talk about in this episode. I hope that you found it useful. Um, Yeah, it is going to be a little bit tricky. But as always, you know, we've got to remember the fundamentals here. Money is a tool. Life is for living. We talked about, we've talked about so much on this podcast over the last two years about fundamental financial habits, right? Remember those key things that we've spoken about on the podcast and I promise you you're going to be fine whatever you do this week have an amazing week I'll speak to you on Monday take care thank you for listening to today's podcast if you enjoyed the episode be sure to check out other episodes and share with the people closest to you new to investing check out Peter's course for first-time investors designed to give you the foundation you need if you prefer one-on-one coaching book a complimentary discovery with the man himself all links in the show notes 